This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries in Bentonville, Arkansas. And uh, I'm at the Global Office, but uh, my my friend and guest is all the way in Irvine, California. I've got Pete McKenzie, who's our Regional Director over uh, Orange County area and in the Southern California area. Uh, he's with me today. So welcome, Pete. Good to be here, Brian. Thanks. You bet. You bet. Um well, uh, most of you guys probably know Pete McKenzie, but uh, you know, as big as we've gotten now, and thousands of people new coming, new people coming on all the time, there may be people who don't know who Pete McKenzie is. So I'll just say that uh, Pete is uh, a longtime friend of Rocky Plumbing. Uh, they've known each other for over 50 years and uh, have been good friends and and supporting each other and all their different adventures over the years and good friends as as couples uh, through the years. Uh, Pete was the first guy to really take the journey in the westward expansion uh, as a matter of fact we called it influencers west in the beginning because there was nowhere there was nowhere west of arkansas where they were doing journey groups except for where pete was doing it and uh pete uh started the first journey group out in that area and uh, there are sets of groups and uh if you've ever heard of all the exciting things happening in bakersfield well that's because pete <laughs> was good friends with less uh it was actually less as a baseball coach and so he shared the journey with less and then look what's happened there and then it's just continued to spread all over the state of california and, and we can attribute a lot of that to uh, your efforts pete so thank you for everything you've done for influencers believe me it's my pleasure <laughs> so so pete uh today we're not going to talk about the journey in particular although it is a journey um we're going to talk a little bit about um your journey with uh, your wife your late wife susan who uh, it's been how many years now since she passed away? Has it been three or two? Two and a half. Two and a half. Okay. And uh, and I want you to feel free to talk about any part of that journey that you want to talk about. But uh, uh, what brought all this up is that you have just published a new book called The Tug of Heaven, uh, where you talk a little bit about that journey and what, what all happened. And you share with uh, everybody some of the Caring Bridge posts that I mean, you had quite a, a following on Caring Bridge, and you were the uh, you were kind of described writing down what you were witnessing, you know, kind of describing everything that had gone on, pretty transparent, uh, which allowed people into your pain and suffering, but also into your faith. And uh, it was really beautiful because I was one of the witnesses to all that. Um, so, Pete, tell uh, tell us a little bit about um, tell us a little about the book and and why you wrote it, and then uh, feel free to relive a little bit of the journey with Susan that was probably part of why he wrote it. So, so jump in wherever you'd like, Pete. You know, I may be like a lot of guys that uh, never thought they would ever write a book. Uh, wasn't my plan uh, to do it. It didn't, wasn't a goal of mine, let's put it that way, in life. But God orchestrates our circumstances, and he's got his own plans, and he works behind the scenes. And uh, so what I was trying to do is Susan passed away of a brain tumor two and a half years ago. And um, I want, uh, while we were going through about a six-month um, journey, and a surreal journey, really, in a lot of ways, you just never thought you'd find yourself in that situation. That happens to other people, not to you. And 
but God, um, God decided that, uh, in, I found that God doesn't really, uh, consult with me before he does things. Mm. Um, sometimes he lets me know what's going on and that's what happened in this book. I try to share what God was sharing with us and how he led us through this. But it started way back and when Susan and I were in high school, and that's where we first met. And uh, so I wanted to tell the story of what I call a lifelong love affair. It started in high school and lasted almost 50 years, 55 if you count dating all the way through college and marrying with a couple of quarters left at Auburn. Um, so I believe that I believed, and I start the book with this, that God had a woman. I don't know where I got this theology, but I had a theology as a young man growing up that God had created a woman just for me. And when I found her, I would know it. And uh, so I started dating Susan with a semester left in high school. I was a senior. She was a junior. And um, just fell head over heels in love with her. And that lasted the next 55 years. Uh, I was smitten, if you would. That means you were infatuated and affectionate and loving and focused. And that was me when it came to Susan. And and God gave me that uh, gift of being able to love Susan like that for the whole of our marriage. So I wanted to tell that story and all the miracles God did to keep us together. And um, so those are included in the book. And we went to Auburn together and had a great four years at Auburn. I played baseball and she, uh, in the book, I tell a lot of the things that she was able to do at Auburn and things she achieved and accomplished there. And, um, and then we got into being married, and it's kind of a funny story of how we even uh, got to the place of being married and telling that story. And, um, young man in Mexico she met named Armando, and uh, everybody loves that story when they hear it. But, you know, the overall, the overall thing is I wanted to share the lessons God had taught us is in marriage, like the $1,000 Christmas tree where Susan said the nicest thing I ever said to her and asked me uh, if I knew what it was. And it had to do with a $1,000 Christmas tree. You'll have to get the book to hear that whole story. We don't have time to go into all the individual stories here, I'm sure. But um, just learning to, you know, I start the book by saying we weren't two married people who happened to be Christians. We were two Christians who happened to be married. And it changes everything if that's your perspective and that's why you know the purpose of your life. That marriage is not an end in itself. It's a means to an end, and that's in glorifying Christ. Mm. So I get to tell that story of how Susan came to Christ about a year and a half after we married, actually. She was such a good, moral, outstanding uh, girl that I, I and everybody else thought she probably knew the Lord. But as we got into our marriage, I realized that while she was not opposed to it at all, she didn't really have a personal relationship with Christ. And so I tell her story about how she came to Christ and my story about how I came to Christ. And so um, I've been getting a lot of good feedback from people that knew her um, from the book. And that's been really encouraging. It's surprising, actually. I don't know why I'm surprised, but uh, the Lord wrote the book, obviously. Um, 
But anyway, the overall message is that if you're, and you said it's not about the journey, it's everything about the journey, not just our journey in marriage and what we went through the last six months uh, as she was passing into heaven, but the uh, abiding in Christ that we learned growing up. And Rocky and Sally, and we were all learning together. And Susan and Sally were best friends. Uh, I mean, closer than sisters. And so we all were learning all that together, but we found out that um, we understood our marriage in the form of a triangle. Jesus is up here, and Pete and Susan are here, and we have this relationship in, in marriage, and, but we also have a relationship with Christ. And the Christian home is the closer we get to Christ, the closer we get to each other in that triangle. So I've taught marriage classes for the last 30 years, and uh, I don't know if anybody else got anything out of it, but it sure has uh, helped reminded me on a regular basis of what I'm, who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing and loving Susan. I can remember one time when I just was driving home from one of these classes that we were teaching, and I just said, Lord, this is good stuff. My problem is I can't live it out. Um, I'm uh, I'm too lazy and distracted to love Susan the way she deserves to be loved and needs to be loved. Uh, we were sitting in a marriage class about a year or so after we married, and um, this guy was teaching on marriage, and I'm sitting there listening, and he says, there's three things every woman needs. She needs to be listened to, she needs to be taken seriously, and she needs to be understood. And I'm thinking, well, that's, that's insightful. And then Susan started crying. <laughs> so I guess everybody in the room knew who wasn't doing that. Um, mm. And so it's learning those kind of things. And so I, I made a deal with the Lord. He's not usually a deal maker, but he was in this case with me. I said, God, I can't love Susan the way she deserves to be loved. But if she was married to you, she'd be married to the perfect husband who did understand her and take her seriously and who um, would listen to her and and help her flourish as the person you made her to be. Uh, not who I think she ought to be, but who you created her to be. So I made a deal, God, if, if uh, I'm making myself available, you just come in me and just love Susan through me. And so for, that was probably 10 years into our marriage. So for the next 30 years or 40, um, God was teaching me how to love her. And this book is about a lot of the lessons God taught me and taught us together. Um, and we just pass it along to others because it works. If you're abiding in Christ and he's abiding in you, he'll teach you how to love each other. If you walk in the light as he is in the light, you'll have fellowship with one another. And, and uh, you know, I find that when Genesis 2, where it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife and they shall become one flesh. I find that very few marriages get to that one flesh relationship where you're physically and spiritually and emotionally just connected and um, loving each other, respecting each other. And that's what Egrich's book, Love and Respect, is all about. Uh, that's a good one, too. Uh, if anybody needs an, another good book to read on marriage. But um, anyway, that's what the book's about. And then I finished the book up talking about our last six months um, when we found out she had a brain tumor. So uh, I love what you said about, uh, you know, abiding. If, if you're abiding, you'll, you'll start. I've, I've described it as an abiding marriage. You know, that I think he wants us to have abiding marriages. 
Um, and, and when I first went through the journey, I love the part where uh, in the last section, Rocky says the first place you live it out is to your spouse, you know, if, if you're married. And cause I, cause I had, I had witnessed a lot of people, a lot of pastors, even, even people in ministry that it seems like their home was a wreck. You know, they were out there saving the world, but their marriage was in shambles. Or, you know, I heard Bill McCartney say that you could tell about a man's walk by the countenance on his wife's face, you know, and, and cause he looked and he, he had heard that message and he looked at his wife after he'd started promise keepers, you know, thousands of men, and he looked at his wife and her countenance was horrible, you know, so he was convicted, you know, that he wasn't taking care of his first ministry, you know, so, so, uh, sounds to me like that resonates with you as well. Maybe Rocky, even, uh, maybe you guys learned that together, uh, through the years. What do you think about that? Well, I think that term you just used in abiding marriage is really key, you know, but in that triangle, the lines between Pete and the Lord and Susan and the Lord may not be the same uh, distance. One may be longer and the other shorter than the other. And I guess over the years, we started our marriage. I'd come to Christ. I was playing minor league ball and was getting the chance to speak in different places because of that. And I kind of left her in the dust, and she wasn't complaining about that. But then slowly but surely over the years, as Susan began, came to Christ and began um, to be, uh, she, she found her identity in Christ at first, but then in me as her husband. And I think that's one of the secrets to our marriage as I look back on it, that um, I, I couldn't separate my identity in Christ with my identity in Susan since uh since we were married and we had said sacred vows to each other that we'd be faithful to each other and be there for each other in good times and bad and sickness and health rich times and poor times um we just were committed to our vows and we were committed to our vows because we were committed to christ and um, we didn't always grow at the same rate and we helped each other though in the struggle and we learned early on about a prayer hug and um, prayer hug is something that we learn because it's so hard. The, the enemy, the last thing he wants us to do as married people is pray together. Because people that are unreconcilable, people that can't get at the end of their rope can, can have a 30-second prayer that can change everything. And so we learn that maybe we're not always going to be able to get on our knees by the bed and pray together, although we did that some and we pray together in the car. But Susan would see that I was nervous or struggling with something, and she'd come over and just put her arms around me and just pray. Lord, I just pray for Pete, and I pray that you give him peace and remind him that you've got this and that you can handle this and you'll take care of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, that took 15, 20 seconds, but it changed everything. And peace came in, and understanding came in, and, um, and we learned to wait on God and trust him. And the book is about that. It's not just about marriage, but it's about a personal abiding, intimate relationship with Christ and all the fruit that comes out of that. Mm. You know, I've, I've, I've got four daughters, as you know, and uh, none of them are married yet. Um, but I've, I've always told them, even when they were young, that my prayer is that they would find a guy that loves Jesus more than he loves them, because that's the only way he'll know how to, to love them. Now, they, of course, they think that's just a corny, you know, dad phrase or whatever, but I mean it. I'm still praying it <laughs> right now, but I think that's what you're talking I think it's what you're talking about, isn't it? 
Well, exactly right. You know, I, I one of my favorite men's book in the prologue, uh, the guy was um, had a daughter and he was she was about to get married and they were standing at the back of the church and he's thinking to himself, looking at his future son-in-law and just thinking, gosh, I'm going to walk her down the aisle and give her away to one of us. Mm. And um, I thought that was pretty good, pretty funny. But the thing is, he knew how uh, obtuse we men are when it comes to the uptake and being married and understanding marriage and understanding our wives and what our roles are in their lives and what servant leadership really is all about. It's about serving, about what it means to be a helpmeet as a wife. And Susan, uh, Living Bible talks about in First Peter when it talks about that. Talks about you wives be submissive to your husbands. Well, every every wife, especially in these days, is going to struggle with that to some degree. But the Living Bible put it in terms of um, fit in with your husband's plans. And Susan said, "Well, I can do that." Mm. Of course, she was oriented toward home and family and being a Susan. Love gave marriage a good name because she loved being married. She was noticeably different after we married and before we married, and as far as her joy and her happiness, and my job was to keep her that way. Susan used to be working around the house, dusting and cleaning or something, and she'd be humming. And finally one day I said, "Hun, what are you humming? She says, was I humming? And the Lord told me, your job is to keep her humming. And um, <laughs> your job is to lift her up and help create. She wrote me a, a note one day, a heart-shaped little pad that she had. And she wrote me a note, and she had put down all the uh, characteristics of her shepherd. And I said, well, she just is talking about Jesus. And she got down to the bottom and said, thank you, Pete, for being my shepherd. Thank you for creating an environment where I could flourish. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just thought, boy. That's, and I still have that little heart. I, I carry it around with me, actually, in my Bible. Mm. Um, and that's where I found it in her Bible after she had passed away. Um, so anyway, um, that's what the book is about. It's about a personal, intimate relationship with Christ and how you can live that out in your marriage. Mm. Tell me, uh, tell me about the title, Tug, Tug of Heaven, Tug from Heaven. Is that what it is? Yeah, thanks for asking that. That's a good question. Um, I was going to call the, the Bible regarding Susan because that's the way I started all the Karen Bridge posts when we were going through the deal. And then one day after she had passed away, I was reading in her journal. And um, she, after she had found out we had the brain tumor and all that. And in the journal, she said, I feel the tug of heaven, but if God's not ready for me yet, then that's good because I'll get more time with Pete and my children and grandchildren. Mm. And um, so when I told Rocky that, Rocky said, uh, Pete, that's got to be the title. And I'll do respect. That's got to be the title of your book. Mm. And uh, so I knew he was right at that point. Susan was really ready to go see Jesus. She's tired of seeing him through a glass darkly, as 1 Corinthians 13 talks about. And uh, it almost offended me. She was so ready to go and was so unafraid and looking forward to being with Jesus. And I remember one day we're sitting out on the patio, this a few days before she passed, and she said, I am so disappointed. And I said, why are you disappointed? She says, because I thought I'd wake up in Jesus' arms this morning, and here I am with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so 
thought, well, try to take that, you know, the way she, I hope she meant it. Um, but then I asked her not too long after that, after that moment was another moment. And I got kind of up close to her face and I said, how am I going to live without you? And she had this way of doing this. And she said, you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget that. And I'm trying to be fine. I miss her like crazy, but uh, God's doing wonderful things. You know, Brian, um, when we first found out she had a brain tumor, and once we got over the initial shock, and it really was a shock, um, God showed us as we began to sort through this whole thing, and, and we believe that God is sovereign and God is good, and he has a plan for everything, and he's not up there biting his fingernails wondering what's going to happen to Susan. You know, if he had asked us, hey, can I trust you with a brain tumor? Uh, I'd like to think we could say yes, but he didn't ask us, and I'm glad he didn't. But we found ourselves in that situation. He said, well, look, just keep this in mind. It's not about you and Susan. It's about all these people that are going to love you and are going to pray for you and go through this with you. So I'm going to tell you what to, how to go through this, and you share it with others. And uh, so it has a lot to do with loss and grief and, and hope. Uh, it, it, the, a lot of people that have read the book tell me it's just lifts them up at a time when our country's going through a difficult time. This book has lifted them up. And uh, so uh, that's encouraging to hear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think we need inspiration that we, we were on a staff call this morning, as you know, Pete, and we were just talking about just all the darkness in the world and all the lost people that we all encounter every day. And it, it, it can grieve your spirit, you know, and they're all looking for something, you know, and they're trying to fill it in drugs, alcohol, sex, you know, whatever they think is the right plan. So they need to know that there's a good, a better way, a better life. And uh, you guys got to live that, have lived that. So. Well, we're trying to solve all our problems, looking in the wrong places and all the wrong faces and rejecting the reconciliation, which is a big word today. Reconciliation that God did at the cross. He made peace between God and man. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So if I walk in the light, if I abide in him, then I'll have fellowship with you. So I've got to have peace with God before I can have peace with men. I've got to have peace with God before I can have peace with my wife. Uh, because marriages have fallen apart in our neighborhood at 72% clip. Mm. And um, that's, that's a divorce rate in Orange County. Um, but if we can get that message over to people, that if you abide in Christ and his word abides in you, you're going to bear much fruit, fruit in marriage, fruit with children, fruit in vocation, fruit in every direction. You'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bears its fruit in its season. His leaf does not wither and everything he does prospers. Well, all that stuff's really true. But we first have to meditate on his word day and night, which is the previous verse to that. So um, we just want to encourage people. There is hope out there. You can have a strong, godly, one flesh relationship. And um, we share in there how we were able to do that by God's grace. What, what would you say? Just uh, we got a few minutes left here. But what would you say to young people, you know, in this young, the younger people in this culture, the millennials, you know, who, who don't seem to value marriage as far as they don't think it's any big deal to live together. No big deal to have premarital sex. Uh, no big deal to get a divorce if you do get married. 
I mean, how would you encourage younger people to that that marriage can be a beautiful thing for them? I think I would use the illustration that Jesus gave us at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, where he gave three illustrations of what it's like, what the kingdom of God is like, and what being a disciple is like. And he said, be, don't be like the wise man that built this house on the rock. And uh, the winds and the waves and the storms of life come in, and that captures everything that we struggle with in marriage and, and in life. He said, and the winds and the waves beat against that house, and that house stood because it was built on the rock. And so the rock is Jesus Christ, personal, intimate, abiding relationship with Christ. And so all those slings and arrows the enemy throws at us and telling us that it's all about us, and that's a mantra of this culture and has been for the last 50 years, just getting worse every day. You can't be in a marriage relationship um, or a meaningful relationship um, while it's all about you. You know, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and forgive your sin and heal your land. That works in marriage, too. I have to give up my right to myself and consider Susan is more important than me. And our marriage is about me serving her, me emptying myself of my rights and becoming her husband, a servant husband and a loving husband, and all that stuff. Um, but that's what I would share with them. You need to build your house on the rock, because otherwise anything else is sand. And with the slings and arrows we're getting today, uh, houses just won't stand without some rock that keeps it together. And that's, that's what I'd share with them. Yeah, that's good. That's really good, because it's like a lot of this is an illusion, you know, that they're trying to build on uh, – you know, it's not built on romance. It's not built on, you know, how much money you got, you know, it's just built on the solid, solid foundation. So, well, uh, well, Pete, uh, just in our final minutes here, tell people, uh, if they'd like to get a copy of a tug of heaven, uh, where do they, where do they get that? Well, they can go to Amazon and just type in the tug of heaven. Um, and it's going to be out on Kindle probably about a week from now. Um, okay. as well. Um, so that's simple as that if they're yeah. used to going down. Well, and uh, we're going to put a link in the email that when we put this podcast out, we'll have a link to get them there, you know, but some people maybe listen to this later. So yeah, just go to Amazon and type in the search, either Pete McKenzie or Tug of Heaven. I bet they'll find it. So, uh, and uh, and you wrote another book that I, I thought we'll just tell them real quick, uh, Cracking the Man Code. That came out a few years ago and that's another uh you got a chance to share a lot of your lessons of dealing with knucklehead men, you know, through the years. <laughs> so uh, that's, uh, is that on Amazon as well, Pete? It is. Okay. For all the Pete, Pete leads a, a great uh, group of men out there in Orange County. He's been teaching these men. It's really like a man church uh, for, I don't know how many years now, Pete, but uh, you got a lot to say to men too. <laughs> so. Well, I learned a lot. I'm, I'm as knucklehead as the next guy, so they can relate to me. And, and you always can use Rocky as an object lesson too, right? <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of stories that hadn't made a book yet. Yeah, that, that'll be another book. We need to get that written pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. 
Well, Pete, thank you for your time. And uh, I do pray people will read the book because uh, it is a beautiful, uh, it is a beautiful story of you and Susan. And, uh, and I got to witness part of it. I'm thankful I got to meet Susan uh, in my tenure here at Influencers. So uh, she's sweet, sweetheart for sure. So blessings on you, Pete, and uh, as you continue your ministry out there. And thank you that uh, you continue to live, live for Christ. So, uh, well, helps to have buddies like you in it together. Thanks a lot. I agree. I agree. All right. Well, this has been the Influencers Network podcast, and uh, you can find out more information about our ministry on influencers.org. And under resources, you'll see uh, under the podcast tab, you'll see this podcast, but a lot of other podcasts that we've recorded in the last three or four years. So anyway, and if there's anything else we can help you with, just send us a contact on our contact form, and we'd be glad to help you. I'm Brian Craig, Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, encouraging you to abide in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you today. me.